Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. So to kick this one off, we're going to go back to a little bit about last podcast, which was why is such a simple hobby so difficult and <laughs> just falling right in line with this. I mean, the whole point of the podcast is the fact that there are a couple, There are many different ways to do things. There are some ways that I believe in my heart that are much easier than others, ways that make the hobby much more simple, that can save you a lot of grief. But that's not to say that the other ways are wrong. And that was the whole point of it. And then I'm almost thinking about starting in the question of the week because it seems like every week there's one question that's asked more than any other. Usually it's, it's a kind of common question. And this week, it involved feeders. I had several folks come to me with questions about feeders, not just, you know, hey, what's the best feeder type of thing, but whether or not one feeder is bad. And we went over the cricket thing, and uh, that was what two of the questions I think were about crickets, whether or not they could use crickets. And unfortunately, what happened, just to explain how the hobby gets so difficult, they were using crickets, they went online, they searched something about tarantulas and crickets, and were told or found information that told them that they carry all types of parasites, they can kill all your tarantulas. One of them saw a video where somebody said that they're not using them anymore. Uh, it's just, again, that's been one one of the questions has popped up quite a bit lately that we've already dealt with, so we won't get into that one. The other question that came up as far as feeders are concerned involved whether or not certain feeders are bad or better for tarantulas or basically tarantula nutrition, which I've got – I've received these before in the past – and usually it comes every once in a while, somebody will ask, Hey, I've heard that, you know, you can't just feed them crickets because it's bad for them. You got to vary their diet. Or I've heard you can't feed them just wax work, wax worms because they're too fatty. And it's like somebody just eating buffalo wings for every day of their, for their meals. And I'm used to those. Again, I get them every once in a while, but it seems like I don't, I don't know if something new was posted or some video. It's, it's always a guessing game on my end to what kind of brings about these questions all of a sudden. Like you don't get them and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of them. But a couple people really worried because one, in one case, the individual was allergic to crickets. So they can't use crickets. Crickets are out. And they had read up on the roaches that are commonly used and found out that whatever thing there, I, I, again, I wish I could pull up this message. I probably should have pulled it up beforehand, but there was something that the crickets have that the roaches also have that led them to believe they would also be allergic to the roaches. So if crickets off the menu, roaches off the menu. So they were like, hey, would it be okay if I use, you know, mealworms? And they asked this on a video as one of the comments. And before I could answer back, somebody else came on and went, no, I don't believe you can use just mealworms. You have to supplement them for something with something else. Mealworms aren't nutritious enough, not fatty or too fatty for them. Something along those lines. And I was like, where is this coming from? Because I know a lot of people, I know somebody that breeds that uses only mealworms for the majority of their feedings. They're not a bad food source. And we'll get into the tarantula nutrition aspect in a minute, but I just look at what have people used that has worked for them. People have used mealworms. It's always an alternative for people that can't readily get crickets or that don't want to keep roaches or people that, there are areas where roaches are illegal, flat out. That's an issue for some. And then some just don't like roaches at all, which I understand. They don't want them in their house. Totally cool. So if you don't want to use crickets, mealworms are great or superworms are a great alternative. Nice thing about mealworms is once you get the colony going, they're also easy to breed and raise and you can have 
an inexpensive, never-ending supply of feeders. So they're awesome. And I've used them before in long stretches. I do switch back and forth. And I'll get into what I feed in a moment. But definitely a viable food source. You see it a lot. You know, if you go to arachnivores and look at things that people feed them, a lot of folks feed them the mealworms or superworms. The big issue with those, obviously with any feeder comes, you know, issues with the mealworms. They can burrow and, and hatch out as beetles. With the superworms, they can bite. I have video out there of feeding. I think it was a formictibus species and somebody pointed out, yeah, right there, it's biting your spider. And like, son of a gun, it was. It turned right around, bit it right on the leg. And you see the spider jerking its leg away. So they can be, they're not something you want to leave in with a tarantula alive. They can burrow. A tarantula that molts, they can come up seeking moisture and eat it. So you got to be a little careful with those. So with the superworms, you have to kind of crush the heads or cut the heads off. I will say the only issue with the superworms once you cut their heads off is they don't tend to move as much. The mealworms do continue to move a little bit, which makes them enticing. So when you're feeding and you drop them in front of the spider, it wiggles a little bit, spider pounce is not great. So yes, you can use those, but the fact that somebody came on and said, no, you can't use them, you have to supplement them, and they came out with some statistic where you can only use them for like 60% of your tarantula's diet, you have to make sure you supplement the rest of your, the tarantula's diet with more nutritious crickets or roaches. And I was like, where in God's earth did that come from? And sometimes I'll admit, sometimes I read this stuff and I'm thinking, man, I'm out of the loop because I haven't heard anything about this. I try to stay up with everything, you know, all the information out there. Obviously, if there was a huge paper on you know, tarantula nutrition, I would think my buddy Luis would be hitting me up with that immediately and would be having conversations about it because it would be interesting and incredible to find out, you know, you if somebody actually sat down and explored what is a nutritious diet for a tarantula. But as far as I know, that hasn't been done. So where does this information come from? So forget giggles before I respond. I responded back once and said, yes, you can absolutely use mealworms. I kind of went over a little bit what I use. And then I went in and put in, are mealworms good for tarantula dye or something like that? And what is the first thing that pops up? Something on some pet website that says flat out that you can't use mealworms solely as a tarantula diet because they're not nutritious enough and you can only use them for 60%. I'm thrown out a percentage. It might've been something different. 60% of the diet and you have to supplement it with other things. And sadly, if you look that up on Google, now you got somebody that doesn't is just getting into the hobby is trying to you know realizing I think in this case the person was probably realizing they're in a, they're going to end up with quite a few tarantulas they're going to need you know more than just a couple crickets from the pet store every couple weeks or so looking at some viable options to feed them they do a google search and this site comes up and this person looks like it's some pet website they obviously know what they're talking about and they go oh I can't use these and they start freaking out and right there there's where it happens there's where the hobby becomes more difficult that's where that little you know kernel of doubt starts to fester in your brain because I just read this, but other people are saying it's okay. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? So that's like, it was nice because in a way after doing that podcast, I walked away from it. And a lot of times I don't like listening to my podcast back when I'm done. When I'm done with them, I kind of go through and I hit certain spots to make sure the sound sounds decent. And I may just double check to make sure I didn't misspeak somewhere because sometimes I get done. And I'm like, did I just mispronounce that? Or, But for the most part, I don't listen to them all the way through again. I can't stand the sound of my own voice and I can't stand listening to myself for that long. I do it once. I don't need to hear it again. Uh, in this case, I did go back and listen to some of it and almost didn't post it because I didn't want people to get the wrong idea. I mean, the whole point of it was just it's difficult because there are so many things, ways to do things and ways that you can have a positive outcome. But then, you know, I put it up and I was like kind of second guessing myself. And then this happened. I'm like, there it is. There it is in a nutshell. There's a, a prime example 
of a situation in which somebody is going to take something that's very, very simple. Think about it, guys. They're tarantulas. We've all kept them. We've all used a variety of feeders for them. Probably one of the easiest things in the world to do is find feeders for, or, you know, pick a feeder for your tarantula. You've got so many choices. You've got mealworms. You've got superworms. You've got waxworms. You've got roaches, several different types of roaches. You've got crickets. For those that still use crickets, there are still those of us out there that use some crickets. There's so many things. It's very easy. I mean, I will say finding a good supply of them can be difficult at times, but it's not like going out like when Billy and I for years have had dogs trying to figure out what is a good brand of dog food to feed our dogs, a healthy brand of dog food. We've gone through many different types. There's a lot to choose from a tarantula. There's only so much you can pick from. And then we have obviously locusts for those of you overseas, which I'm jealous of. I would kill to be able to use locusts over here, but they have you know so many things they can eat because they're opportunistic feeders. And basically they're going to eat invertebrates and some smaller vertebrates. So some people will even feed them lizards. I find that disgusting. I like lizards. I could not feed a lizard to it. Um, pinky mice, things like that. Again, back in the day, I used to have snakes. I had a little frozen pinky mice and I'd throw those in with them and they would eat those. And I would do it every, usually after a molt with my, with the queen. Every once in a while, I'd give her one after a molt, but it would just left this gooey mess. I stopped doing that. But again, it's a, it's a viable food option. It's something that would work with them. This shouldn't be something somebody stresses over. This should be very simple. You go on, you go, I'm going to get a tarantula. What can I feed it? You can feed it this, 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 or this. You can feed it this all the time. It's not like humans where we need, you know, we have the the food groups and we need to make sure we don't have too many carbs or we don't do too many fat. What all the, I'm not a nutrition nut. If you see my figure, you'd know that right away. But it's not the same as that. Or even dogs where they had the thing with dog food where they did grainless dog food for a while. And then the vets turned around and went, nope, this is terrible for the dogs. We got to bring the grain back into it. It's very simple. But again, it's complicated by the fact that people are out there putting up misinformation. I don't know who did this site. I just kind of got disgusted and bounced off it. I should probably do some investigating, but it, it struck me as one of those. There's a lot of all-purpose pet sites out there that have all kinds of sponsors from different pet groups, and they basically, it behooves them to cover as many animals as possible because they're trying to get as much traffic as possible. So you can go on there. You can find how to keep your Angora rabbit. You can find out how to keep your centipede. Granted, all the information is probably regurgitated from something else they read and wrong because none of these people keep these animals, but it's all in one spot, and people go there, and they get lots of traffic, and they sell, you know, they, you see pet pet food commercials and pet product commercials and veterinary commercials as you go on. It's it's all to bring in money. And that's, again, where a lot of this stuff comes from is people trying to, you know, make a dime off of animals, which kind of irritates me. I've expressed that many, many times. I, again, I, again, I think differently about that. And obviously, if there weren't people trying to make money off animals out there, we would have none in the hobby. I get it. But it frustrates me because this isn't somebody that's kept tarantulas or somebody, a researcher that, hey, we just did this huge the paper on tarantulas and their nutrition. No, this is somebody just trying to going, hey, you know, there's a bunch of tarantulas are popular now. Let's do some stuff on tarantulas and let's tell them what to feed them, even though we have no idea what we're talking about. So right there was a prime example of it. Again, I don't know of any, and Luisa, I know you're probably listening. I'm, I'm shoot Luisa text in a minute anyway to see what he thinks about it, but I don't believe there's been anything on this. They do, I do find it interesting that they have nutritional values of a lot of the feeders we use and they can look at some and say, this one has more protein. This one has more fats. Uh, they break it down. And with reptiles, I think that can become important. With tarantulas, we don't know yet. It's, it could be, and I want to put that out there, maybe somewhere down the line, 
we do some research on this and they, they take little slings and they try feeding. I think that would be fascinating as heck. They feed slings. You know, this sling gets crickets. This sling gets roaches. This sling gets only mealworms. And we study the growth rate, stuff like that. And maybe we do find out that certain ones are better, that they need a certain amount of protein, that they need a certain amount of fat, that they need certain other nutrients that are found within only certain types of feeders. That I guess that could definitely happen. So I'm not shooting that completely down, but I'm saying we don't have that information right now as far as I know so anybody that's out there saying with any type of authority that you can't feed them just mealworms you can't just feed them crickets you can't just feed them you know roaches is talking out of their backside that's not scientifically backed information that's somebody coming up with this on their own or again we've talked about the you know the false positives or the the instances where people will feed their tarantulas roaches and then suddenly they get a bunch of deaths in the collection and they go oh gosh it has to be the roaches and they switch out roaches and suddenly things get better but they don't look at the fact that the death started when the heat went on in the winter time and that their enclosures were drying up and they were having some problems with humidity and keeping up the moisture levels to appropriate levels for the tarantulas. So some of them were dying that way in molts. It's that type of situation that leads people to come up with some of this stuff. So again, we have another sterling example of some poor person, some poor folks doing their research, trying to do their research, but the information they're getting in is not correct. And I will tell you, and I got to be honest, if I didn't, hadn't spent so much time in the hobby, if this were me searching for the first time and I pulled this up, I would be inclined to believe it. It seems like a legitimate source. So that's where we run into trouble. That's where we overcomplicate things. Now we have folks, you know, there's, we haven't even gotten to the burrowing. We haven't even gotten to the pre-molt stuff that freaks people out. We got people that are freaking out already over what to feed them. And it's usually one of the simplest parts of the hobby. Now, when I answered this question, one of the things that came up and people asked me about, they're like, well, you don't feed them all the same thing all the time. So you're obviously diversifying their diet. I think for a lot of us, and I could be speaking just for myself here, so please feel free to chime in on this one. I I use, A, people have asked me before why to use crickets. I've used crickets for 20-something years. I've, knock on wood, not had issues with them. But I know that with any, you know, obviously with the feeder thing, we talked about this before, people worry about parasites and stuff like that. The ironic part is Louis sent me a paper after I had this last discussion that explained that the one time they found something that was in the feeder insect, it was actually roaches involved, not crickets. But I do have some information hopefully coming up about things that crickets can carry, some issues there, but I don't have all the facts yet. So we'll get back to that. But for me, I've used crickets for years because they're convenient and everything eats them. Everything. They, they always get a good feeding response from my tarantulas. I've never had an issue with something refusing a cricket, wherein I've had things refuse mealworms. I've had things refuse superworms. I've had things refuse dubia, kick them away, not eat them. I've had the dubia scurry off and find them you know, a week later, even after I crushed the heads, kind of roaming around. That's why I use crickets. They're easier and I'm faster with them. I can grab a cricket. I have these tongs that I use, sharp, you know, kind of sharper end tongs. I can pluck a cricket right out of that, toss them in. It's very quick with roaches. They juke and jive. And next thing you know, you're chasing a roach all the way around. And it's been five minutes and you haven't even dropped a single feeder item in. So for me, they're very convenient. However, 
the other day, I went and did a whole feeding with roaches. I do have B lateralis roaches. I do have B dubia roaches. I actually just bought 100, I think 150 more of them from dubia.com, which uh, meant to do a, a review of that. I completely forgot, but that I ordered from them years ago and I just picked up this order. It went great. And I wanted to add to my colony and build up because my colony I picked up, oh gosh, probably seven years ago. It's been, it, it needed new blood. It needed, I needed some new roaches in it. But I do have those and like to use the fatter dubia, especially the males and stuff for larger spiders after they molt because it's a good first meal tossing a couple big beefy males or even maybe an older female which i hate doing i feel bad for the ladies but again use those i usually have mealworms on hand i hand i use a lot of different things and for me it's about different prey responses just mixing things up every once in a while you know sometimes i don't feel like getting crickets during the winter or during the really hot summer months or the really cold months I'm not able to get them or if you do get them you chance them all being dead because it was too hot during shipping or too cold during shipping so they'll switch over to the roaches it's just easier but I could very easily you know if if I had a smaller collection the roaches would probably be a, a, a better source because I can obviously keep breeding them and keep I don't have to buy them all the time which would be a lot easier it's just I tend to have such a big collection that when I'm feeding as much as I enjoy feeding I don't want it to become a chore I don't want to spend all that time chasing roaches around it's just I'm much faster with the crickets I've proven it time and time again if you give me 100 tarantulas to feed with roaches and 100 tarantulas to feed with crickets I'm going to be much faster when I'm using the crickets so that's for me it's a convenience thing now if there ever came out some hard data that they were hazardous or potentially dangerous to my tarantulas and that not just could be in like in some like posed a huge harm to him yeah I'd, I'd stop using them obviously but I don't believe that hasn't been proven yet even some of the risks there are with them there are risks with the other feeders as well so anyway that's why I use crickets I do mix it up but I could very easily I went a whole winter where I couldn't get crickets anymore there was an issue with cr shipping crickets that kept coming dead because they were cold and I bought a bunch of superworms and used superworms for the whole winter I was cutting them up for the smaller ones I was feeding the big ones two or three superworms smashing the heads so I've used everything. I will continue to use the different ones that are out there for folks that can only use one thing. The only thing I've heard that the wax worms, if you see them, they're very gooey, that aren't the best thing. I don't know if there's any truth to that. I don't know if I'd use wax worms as a full diet, but if you have them, I don't know. It, it's something to eat. Again, it's I don't think there's anything out there right now that we feed that I would take off the list as far as a feeder, and I don't think it's something anybody should be stressing over. So if you're hearing this and you've been worrying about, you know, should I be feeding, you know, I've, I've, I've been feeding them crickets all the time. There's been people feeding them crickets all the time since we've been keeping tarantulas. That's probably the most popular food, you know, feeder insect out there in the hobby worldwide. If you're only feeding roaches, again, people can only feed roaches. I have difficulty with some of them taking some of the roaches. The red, red runners work great. Those, I've never had really any issue with. They kind of emulate crickets where they run around and they really kind of entice that feeding response from the tarantulas with all the movement. So I haven't had issues with those. Do be a little trickier. I've had people so many times email me with, you know, yeah, I'm, I got a dubia roach colony and I'm trying to feed it to my tarantulas and nobody's eating them. They're pawing it away. They're The thing's playing dead. So those people do, I know... Folks who don't want to talk about it, and there's some folks that seemingly have no problem with it, but there are a lot of folks out there that try to use dubia, and certain tarantulas don't seem to grab them up. And the biggest issue I've had with dubia, honestly, 
are with Pisolotheria. I would drop Dubie in, crush the heads, and the Pisolotheria would not find them. And next thing you know, it you have the you know you find the Dubia curled up behind a water dish, dead, or it's you know started to burrow down. Whatever. I have had some issues with that. Unless you drop it right in front of them, and they grab it immediately. They sometimes don't find it. For them, I've sometimes used the hissing cockroaches because they will climb and they sense the movement and grab them right away but that's dubia again you can use them there are people that use them all the time but that's the only thing i find them a little trickier to use and some things don't take them but use whatever you need to use and again this is why our hobby can be so complicated at times because they're always going to be i think again last last week's episode was kind of my epiphany that this was never going to end i i spent years thinking eventually it would people would just finally gravitate toward the correct sources of information. This other stuff would go away, but I see more and more new stuff as the pet trade grows, as the tarantula pet trade grows, more and more people see people out there, you know, making money, selling them, making money, you know, doing videos on them and they're enticed to do the same. And then we get more of that misinformation. So unfortunately it's not going anywhere, but you know, as long as I have it in me, I will continue to go out there and try to do my best to, you know, shine a light on these things and point people in the right direction and give them at least my information of stuff that works for me. And usually the stuff that works for me, I try to simplify it, keep it simple. Is simplified as much as possible and make sure that it's easy for people to keep these animals without having a lot of stress over it. So figure that'd be a good one to start off with. And I've had a lot of questions on it. So we can kind of, and again, if you want more information on the feeders, I believe I already did a whole podcast on feeders and pros and cons, everything I'm hoping I did. I will go back after this and double check. But if I didn't, I could always do that again because there were always questions. And as years go on, I, I noticed different things about different feeders. And again, it's only my opinion because there are probably people out there right now that are like, I hate crickets. I can't catch crickets. They stink. They smell. I use dubia and I have no problem with them. So again, it comes down to what you prefer, what's available, what's easiest, more convenient for you to make sure that your tarantulas are fed. So for the second part of the podcast, I received an email from Charlotte, who actually said right at the end of the thing, I could share this and use it as a podcast topic. She actually asked a couple questions, but there was one in particular that I thought would make for an interesting discussion as far as the podcast is concerned. And it was about fear of old world tarantulas. And I think this was a good one because it actually, it's one of those ones I start hammering out my response and typing my response. And then I had to stop and pause and think about it for a minute. So I, it was a lengthy response. And Charlotte, I apologize. It's not that I'm you know, trying to cut your words or anything or censor you. It's just there was a lot to work with here. And I want to make sure I can get right to the question. So basically, she started the question with, I think I may be underreacting to old worlds. And she went on to talk about her history of keeping tarantulas, the tarantulas she keeps. She talked about the fact that she has experience with other exotics like centipedes and the Dihani, which is one that kind of freaks me out. She has absolutely zero fear of it whatsoever. She jumped into old worlds very quickly and generally felt, genuinely felt like she was ready for them. She goes on to talk about how her OBT enclosure is literally on her night table, and she has no issue with that whatsoever. There isn't a fear aspect. I'm just fascinated by them and full of respect. Is that bad? I was listening to the Old World Stigmatization Ladder podcast at work today, and I was just thinking I jumped straight into Old Worlds pretty much, and I genuinely feel like I'm ready for them. She also mentions that she thinks she might be desensitized to the fear, in quotes, aspect that Old World tarantulas carry, and essentially is asking, is that a good thing to not be scared of Old Worlds at all? And I need to say that she did mention a, a couple times 
that she deals with, she works with everything with respect. And I think that's the key here. And that's the word we're going to kind of zone in on. So the question, it was an interesting one to me because I haven't had anybody actually say that before. I've had people, we get the yahoos. We get the ones that come on and go, I have no fear of these things. They can go ahead and bite me. I don't care. Or the ones that say, you know, it's never going to bite me. I'm too fast. And I kind of giggle and go, all right, whatever. But there's, I think a lot to digest there because I do think there is a fear factor. And I'll just use myself as an example and some other keepers I've talked to. When you get into old worlds, there is a stigma attached to old worlds. That's not going away. I have been working on a video. Actually, I started this like over a year ago. I have to kind of reshoot some of it because I had my long hair and that when I started it, but it was getting to be like, I kept wanting to add more and more, but it's a video dealing with old worlds and the whole stigmatization of old worlds and the fact that we really need to back off on that a little bit because we do create, there should always be respect. I've said this from day one. There needs to be respect with anything. I don't care if you're working with an H chalensis. They deserve all of the tarantulas we keep deserve respect, whether you fear them or not. And I think, you know, when we talk about respect, that means recognizing that although you may not be scared of them, right now I'm at a point where I have no fear of my tarantulas. I don't look at them. I don't get scared. I I was so bad when I started off that my first LP sling that I got, I went to rehouse and it ran a little bit. It didn't even bolt. Like it, it, at the time it happened, it was like, oh my God, the world's ending. But it basically came out of the little vial that it was shipped in and sat on the top of the vial and I freaked the heck out. Like I was a little tiny spider and I was like, I can't get it on me. Like I put it down real quick and I backed away and I'm like, I got to take a breath. That's how bad I was when I started, which probably wasn't particularly a great thing, but I got over it quickly. Thank gosh that having fear of them, that can lead you to doing things like you've seen the videos out there where people are rehousing, rehousing is going great. The spider suddenly goes the wrong way, moves or tries to get out and the person almost crushes it with a catch cup because they're so freaking out it's going to get out or the person throws the, the tongs down they're using and almost hits the spider. It Fear is not a positive emotion, a positive feeling when dealing with any type of animals because when you're afraid, you make mistakes. When you're afraid, you do things you normally wouldn't do. That adrenaline kicks in and you would never hurt your tarantula in a million years but suddenly the fear kicks in, you're brand new Afonapelma calcotas that you got runs up and gets on your hand and next thing you know you're flipping it across the room because fear is not a rational response so I don't think fear is a good thing and we'll start with just any you know with any type of tarantula keeping it can be problematic now unfortunately a lot of us to get into keeping tarantulas or fortunately I I don't know it depends on which way you look at it. a lot of us to get into keeping tarantulas do so with arachnophobia. We do so. We come into the hobby afraid of tarantulas, afraid of spiders, afraid of the creepy crawlies, and we're trying to get over that fear. So there's no really avoiding it in that instance. And that's tough. I will tell you, I went through it myself. I I know everybody, you know, it's been years now. I've been doing this Tom's Big Spider stuff. I, I told somebody the other day that they came on and they left a comment and they're like, yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I'm scared of spiders. I'm trying to get up the nerve to get my first. And I'm like, well, it's funny because when I got my first to queen, I was terrified of them and they were shocked. Like you were scared of spiders. Yeah, a lot of us are. I think a lot of the people that do these videos, a lot of the YouTubers out there started off with a fear of tarantulas, but we were fascinated by them. We wanted to get over that fear. So we're always walking that tightrope of one bad instance, one bad incident, one thing doesn't go our way, we could do something that puts ourselves or a spider in jeopardy. And that's tough. But I think the more experience you get, at least in my case, 
I can, again, I vividly, I laugh at it now. I just rehoused a spider the other day. I don't want to say which one it is because it's a video I'm doing. I finally got one of my dream spiders, not a tarantula actually, and it ended up going right up my arm and there wasn't any fear whatsoever. Had that been 10, 15 years ago, I would have been freaking the heck out. I would not have slapped it. I probably would have froze and been like, Billy, come on, get this thing off me. But that I remember very vividly what it felt like to be afraid of them. So I do think fear is not, to not have fear of them is a good thing. Like I can't imagine what it would be like to come into this hobby without having a fear. Snakes, I work with snakes for years. I know a lot of people are deathly afraid of snakes. I had no fear of snakes whatsoever. Never have had a fear of snakes whatsoever. I handle them, I love, I love them. And that was what I, you know, I can't imagine coming to the tarantula hobby with that same type of, you know, respect and the lack of fear, that would have been great because there were times where I did things that could have put, you know, the tarantula bolts, I dropped my paintbrush, I could have dropped it on the tarantula. So fear, not a good thing. Respect is where it's at. Recognizing, and here's where the difference is, I think. I can be not afraid of a spider, like I'm not afraid of my old worlds. I respect the fact that they can be quick, that they can be unmanageable. If they get jacked up, they can be defensive. And if they bite me, I'm not going to be happy and possibly not happy for quite some time. I don't want to, is it a fear of getting hurt? No, I'm just not an idiot and I've read what their venom can do and I don't want to experience that. I get, you know, I'm not, I have a pretty good pain tolerance. I get tattoos. I sit like a rock. I don't have any issue with anything like that. I've never been, I've done contact sports. I played football, did martial arts, MMA type stuff for years. We, we beat the crap out of each other. I have no problem with that. I want to make that very clear. I don't want to get bit by one, flat out. I, you can call me whatever you want. You can go, I have people come on, they go, what do you mean you don't want to get bit, you wussy? Whatever you want to call me. I don't care. I don't want to get bit by one of them. I don't need that kind of pain. It can be debilitating. There's nothing brave. There's nothing masculine. There's nothing cool about that. That's just, you know, Neanderthal stuff. So having that respect, that's having a respect, recognizing that although I'm not afraid of this spider, although I look at my OBT and think I'm not scared of her, I could put my hand out there. She'd probably crawl into it and be fine. I respect that she is not a toy. She's not something to be trifled with. And that if she did get jacked up, it could result in me getting bit. If Billy's always there with me, it could result in Billy getting hurt. It could result in the spider getting out and the spider getting hurt, which would be the biggest tragedy of all. Because if I get bit, that's my fault. Like, honestly, the way I see it, it's one of those deals when you do something stupid and you get hurt, that's on you. But the poor spider might suffer as a result. If you get bit and flip your hand, the spider bounces off the wall and ruptures his abdomen. That's on you. So, I think having respect is recognizing that although I'm not afraid of these old worlds, and although I could sleep, like in her case, Charlotte's case, she can sleep with that old world right next to her bed and sleep like a baby. I could honestly throw a cot in this tarantula room. If it wasn't so darn hot, I'd get cold when I sleep. But I could sleep in this tarantula room like a baby. I would love it. I have no problem with these animals being around me whatsoever. There's no fear. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. That's a great place to be as long as that respect is there. And she did mention during it. She has that respect. She mentioned at one point, I didn't read this part, but she says, I would not be afraid to hold my OBT, but the respect keeps me from ever trying anything like that. That's good. That's a great place to be. That's the type of person with the, the the type of attitude that's going to do fine with old worlds because they're going to give them that respect. I don't think, I mean, I'm still cautious of where my spiders go without having any fear of them. Having fear 
makes you act irrationally. So let's take a rehousing. I have fear of a spider. The spider will use my psalmopias. What was it? The Ecclesiasticus rehousing. I have a fear of the spider. I go to put the spider in the enclosure. The spider, if you've seen the video, bolts out of the enclosure and starts running around the edge. If I have fear, I try to cup it. I'm freaking out. Oh no, it's going to get out. It's going to get on the house. It's going to get on me. Oh, what am I going to do? I panic and I end up trying to cup the spider. It ends up on me. It ends up jumping. Or I've seen instances where people try to slam the cup down to catch the spider, misjudge and crush the spider's legs or God forbid the body. There's so much that can happen because of that fear that you're going to end up with this debacle rehousing with possibly you getting hurt and the spider getting hurt. Now let's take somebody that doesn't have fear but has respect. And this is, I think, what Billy and I have and what was shown in that video. The spider gets out. We take a deep breath. It wasn't even a deep breath. It was like, I think Billy actually took a deep breath. She's not as used to it as I am. But for me, it was just like, all right, take a step back. Let's watch it for a minute, get some good footage of it, calm down, and use a good opportunity when it arises to get the spider back in without hurting the spider or having an escape or get on us or any of that stuff. It's being able to take a deep breath and go, this is not a bad situation, wherein if you have that fear, it escalates, you do you know silly stuff that you normally wouldn't do, and you put yourself and the spider at risk. So I think that's the difference of having that fear or no fear versus just having a healthy respect. Now, the no fear does have a toxic side to it. And I've experienced this and we've all experienced this before when you get the people that are like bragging that, you know, the ones that are showing off handling their old worlds. Again, I've said, and I don't mean this to like slight anybody because I know there's people out there that I'm Facebook friends with. I see pictures of them holding whatever floats your boat. I'm not here to, you know, condemn it or, you know, reprimand you for it. I'm just saying I don't see a need to ever hold old worlds. I get it. I have ones that I look at that I would let my H. Polkerpies, for example, seems to be a sweetheart. I love that spider. It would be cool to have her in my hand. It's not going to happen ever. Never even, you know, it's not even something I sat there and realistically considered, but I do understand how people like, well, well I'm going to like climb into my hand. I don't see a need for it, but there are people out there that take it extreme to the extreme and they want to show off with it. I have no fear and therefore I'm going to bounce back and forth. I'm going to have this thing on me and it's going to be on my head. I hate the pictures when people post videos of tarantulas, old worlds, they get away from them and they climb up on their head and they're climbing on their faces and the person's laughing like it's no big deal. Dude, if that thing bit you in your eyeball, you're screwed. Like that's not even funny. If it bites you in the neck, that's a bad situation. Like there, that's you're putting yourself in danger. You're putting the tarantula in danger. That's the point when you see stuff like that and and it tends to be the younger crowd and it tends to be the younger guys. I hate to say it, but they're showing off with it. They're putting it up there. They're getting views. They're showing their friends. A lot of times you see people, you know, when you see these types of videos, there's, you know, somebody in the background laughing at them, kind of egging them on. That's where that lack of fear can be a detriment. That's when that lack of fear goes to a point where the lack of fear also turns into a blatant lack of respect for the animal you're playing with. A, it's not a toy, first and foremost, whether it's then it was super venomous or not venomous. It's not a toy. You shouldn't be playing with it. It shouldn't be crawling up your arm, climbing on your head, climbing over your face. You shouldn't be freaking out your friends with it. You shouldn't be trying to get bit by it. It's not a joke. It's not a plaything. And then when you see them doing stuff with it, like handling it and it's getting all over them, that doesn't prove anything. That doesn't prove you're, you know, brave or anything. Honestly, it just makes you look stupid. So I think with the whole fear factor thing, some of us are going to come in with that fear. We can't avoid it. Is it going to be a positive? I think the positive angles of it is the people that come in afraid like that 
know that they don't want to deal with old worlds right off the bat. They naturally recognize, and this is again, I've pointed out before that I have a hard time where somebody comes on, I'll post a video featuring an old world tarantula and somebody will go, I can't wait till I'm ready for those. And somebody will go on and go, just get one now. You're ready. Don't tell them they're ready. They know if they're saying they're not ready for it, psychologically, mentally speaking, they are not ready for it. They have just stated they are not ready for it. They have it in their heads that they are not prepared for this animal. They've still got that fear. Let them be. They'll eventually, probably, most likely, get to a point where they go, hey, I'm ready to try one. So don't force it on them. I think that's one of the places where a little healthy fear, I know for me, I did get into old worlds quickly because I found that I really got over my fear of them rather quickly after working with them. I started, I spent a lot of time as a kid (laughs) on a farm where I didn't get to go out, you know, and socialize all that much. Like during the summers, we were always working. Uh, I had chores before school, I had chores after school. So I didn't go out and play with friends a lot. I spent a lot of time with animals and I spent a lot of time just taming down things, you know, anything we had that was wild, I was taming down, observing behaviors. That's my thing. I like observing their behaviors, kind of figuring out what makes them tick, what, you know, what's a comfortable animal, what's an uncomfortable animal, what's an animal that's about to be aggressive. And so for me, that kind of clicked in when I started watching tarantulas. I just thought they were just big, scary bugs. And suddenly I'm looking at them like, no, this one acts a little differently. This one comes up when I go to feed. This one does, you know, when it's scared, it does this. This one, when it's scared, does that. I started seeing the different behaviors and it started making me more, more comfortable. It wasn't so much, this is a big, scary animal. It was, this is a fascinating animal that I can now learn about and figure out how it works and how it ticks and how to work with them. So it kind of, my fascination and just the aspect of learning the hobby and figuring them out kind of went above and beyond any fear I had of them. And, you know, obviously that fear was there for quite some time. It took me a little while, but it wasn't, I think it went away to a point where it became a more constructive fear because I could work with them without being scared. Like when I first started off, I was scared even looking at them, to be completely honest. And then got to the point where as long as they were behaving, I wasn't scared. It was when they did something that I wasn't expecting, when they bolted or whatever, then I'd freak out. So it made me become more careful. When people see all the stuff I post up in my rehousing videos where I show them how to go about, how to you know move the tarantula without giving it any way to escape, and I'm using cardboard and cups, I've used that stuff before. It was stuff I used for my own peace of mind to limit any opportunity for that spider to get out and trigger that unhealthy fear in myself. That was to be able to go, this spider is contained. So although I'm a little jacked up doing this, you know, obviously there's always a little apprehension when you go to do a rehousing. It's not to a point where I'm going to mess up. And then as I became more comfortable and studied them more, I used less of those things. I became more comfortable using just the cups and the brushes, whatever. So I do think there's a healthy fear that helps you at that point. And then you start moving into old worlds. And I think, again, it helped me to be cautious. I've spoken before about I treat my tarantulas 99% of the time because I have my lapses, everybody does, but 99.5% of the time I treat every tarantula exactly the same. I treat all of my new worlds exactly like I treat my old worlds. If you see my rehousing videos, I will take the most docile spider in my collection that I know for a fact I could probably just shoe onto my hand, pick up and put in a new enclosure. I cup it, I carefully move it over just like I would an old world species. And some people don't get that. They're like, why are you doing I had somebody the other day ask, I don't get why you're being so careful with these things. It seems to me you're being too careful. And I was like, well, what is too careful? If I get my spider from point A to point B and the spider goes in without any incident, I don't, I'm not in danger. Spider's not in danger. How is that too careful? And I explained that people come to my videos to, a lot of them have fear and apprehension around rehousings. They come to these videos to see somebody do it calmly, to see them, somebody work with the spiders in a way that isn't going to allow them to escape or get jacked up. And I said, that's very important to people. And the nice thing is the guy came back and went, oh, I totally get that. Makes a lot of sense to me now. But I think as far as the fear is concerned, 
it's good in a way that it keeps us from doing the, you know, from going out and immediately buying the old world tarantulas, from doing stupid things with the spiders. It it creates a level of caution, extra level of caution. It's good in that respect. But having no fear, again, as long as you have that respect, and again, that respect is key. As long as you have that respect, it's going to make the hobby even more enjoyable for you because you're not dealing with those emotions, those possible negative emotions popping up in the middle of a rehousing. Now, I have had people before. It doesn't happen often, but you get people that will contact you like, yeah, I had no fear with these. And then I got bit. And now I'm afraid to even open the enclosure. That can happen too. And that's not a good thing. For somebody that comes in not having a fear and suddenly getting the fear, I think that's probably a worst case scenario than even coming in with a fear of it. Because now when you come in and you're arachnophobic, a lot, it's, it's an irrational fear. You've either been, you know, learned it from your family. You know, they say a lot of times you see family members. I know my mom was arachnophobic. You pick that up from them. So I strongly believe some people are born with it naturally. You just have a natural innate fear of them. But when you come in with that, that's one thing you can, positive experiences will slowly erode that away. However, if you come in with no fear whatsoever, get bit and develop a fear, that could be more difficult because now you've you've received consequences. You've received, you've been the recipient of something that has taught you there is something to fear here. That's going to be a difficult one to dispel. So that would be the one thing I'd be afraid of. And I have had folks who come on and say, I had zero fear of them whatsoever. I got bit or something bad happened or one escaped and scared me. I had one instance was with a guy who had no fear of it whatsoever and he was feeding his GBB and the GBB bolted and ran over his lap and he was terrified of it after that. He goes, I had no no fear of spiders before and now I just can't can't even work with the easier things because that incident scared me so badly that it has now instilled that fear in me that's a bad situation so show this is probably a very I told you I'd probably be able to answer this a lot easier through the podcast it, it's a difficult question to answer because I think there are pros and cons I think coming in with no fear and a respect ideal situation for entering the hobby I wish I could have come in with that myself although I'm glad I came with the fear because it makes it easier to connect with folks who are coming in from that same place. A lot of folks are coming in with a fear of tarantulas. It allows me to talk to them and go, look, this is where you could be now. I mean, I have no fear of them whatsoever. I'm completely over it. I Even house spiders. I was the last thing to go. Some of the spiders around the house, wolf spiders, things like that. They still kind of creep me out even after I was not afraid of tarantulas. That's even gone now. I have no problem with any of our eight-legged friends. So I think it can be a good thing in that respect as long as the fear is, the lack of fear is accompanied by a healthy level of respect. Fear and no respect, worst thing ever. I hate it. It's that's where we get all these yahoos doing these, you know, crazy videos with spiders running all over and letting them bite themselves, that let them bite them so they can prove how awesome they are and stuff like that. Putting themselves and family members at risk during rehousings because they're just like, oh, I'm just gonna prod this thing in the butt with my hand and get into its new enclosure. That's not a good situation. And then even if you come in with a fear, let's not, you know, let's cover all the bases here. You come in with a fear of them, have that respect recognize the fact that sometimes things aren't going to go as planned. Try to mentally prepare for it ahead of time. I always try to, that's what I always explain to people. And then sometimes I, I swear you can almost see them looking at you, even though it's over the computer, like you're nuts. When I tell them plan that the spider is not going to go from point A to point B. Don't, we all want to, we always talk about, you know, hope for the plan for the worst, hope for the best. In this situation, plan for the spider to get out. If that in your mind, the spider is going to likely get out of the enclosure. That's half the battle right there, I think, mentally, as far as the rehousings are concerned. Because our biggest fear is that the tarantula is going to get out, bolt, and end up on the ceiling, end up under something. 
I think the trick is to recognize that sometimes having the tarantula get out of the enclosure into, you know, obviously not just on a table or on your carpet or on your bed, have that big basin that you're, you know, rehousing in, something bigger that you're rehousing that gives you kind of a barrier, have those paper towels in the corner. But sometimes getting that tarantula out in the open makes it much easier to work with. It's an easier rehousing overall. And I think that's where a lot of us get hung up that have the fear. Because again, the fear doesn't usually come into play until the rehousings. You can put a tarantula in an enclosure and have next to, you know, no contact with it whatsoever. You drop, you open it up, you drop prey at in, it eats, you're fine, you're in no danger. You open up, you squirt a little water in the water dish, good. It's when you rehouse them that you're forced to kind of interact with them. That's when the fear is really going to pop up. So if you can plan ahead of time and rationalize that, hey, the worst case scenario is not this tarantula getting out of the original enclosure and in me having to cop it outside of the enclosure. That can actually be a good thing. If you can start doing that, it makes it a lot easier to work with. And again, have that respect. Don't ever forget that they are technically wild and not technically, they're wild animals. They're not domesticated animals. That Don't ever forget that even a bite from a new world is going to be something that is not going to be pleasant and is going to, if you have a fear of them, is going to set you back years as far as getting over your fear. Don't forget the hairs. We always tend to forget the hairs. Don't forget that has hairs there. So you want to, you know, again, that's one of the reasons we use cups with them. It protects you from the hairs because the hairs can be nasty. That could be something where somebody, you know, has a rehousing, the thing kicks a little hair. They're like, well, at least I didn't get bit. And then later on going, oh man, this sucks. This is terrible. I don't like the hairs. Recognize those things, but mentally prep for it before you go into it. I think I've spoken to, oh gosh, over the years, dozens of folks who got into the hobby with the fear of spiders and who have done absolutely wonderfully in the hobby. There's no issues whatsoever. They're over their fears. I think it is a great way to get over a fear of tarantulas. So even coming in with fear, if you're listening to this going, well, I'm terrified of them, you'll get over it. Trust me, we all get through it. And I haven't heard of many, and the good thing is I haven't heard of many instances of people coming in with fear, doing those stupid things, you know, over, I, you, you hear stories here and there of people that will come and go, yeah, I did a rehousing. I totally overreacted. It was a debacle, but we got the spider in. It's okay. And I learned from it. I think that's a big thing too. When something does go wrong after the nerves calm down, reevaluate it. That's one of the reasons, you know, Bill and I used to tape some of these rehousings just for our own use to kind of see how we could improve things. I would go through and go, there's a spot where the spider could have bolted. There's a spot where I could have done this. It, those are nice ways to kind of help get, if you can tape it and go back through it, great way to kind of rehearse it and figure out and critique your own rehousing. Because there is, I think it's an art form, is there is one of those deals where I think the more practice you get, you develop a system, you get good at it. It's an art form, man. I'm telling you, you see people that do really good rehousing. They know what they're doing. They've been doing it. They're relaxed. I think being able to, you know, even when things go wrong, go back and look at it really helps a great deal. And I think that the one thing you need to know is if you're coming into the hobby and you do have fear of it, then you're going to be fine. A lot of us did it. We did fine. Look where I am now. A lot of other folks out there, popular YouTubers and social media people that do the tarantula thing, start off with fears. We've all done fine. So know that. If you're coming into the hobby, if you're the person coming into the hobby, I have no fear of these whatsoever. I don't care. Old world, new world, I'm good. That's fantastic. I envy you as far as you know, coming into the hobby, being afraid of them. However, don't let it become something that 
leads to disrespecting the animals, not respecting what they they can do, not respecting their speed, their venom, whatever it may be, disrespecting, playing with them as toys, showing off with them. If that's the case, your lack of fear is a detriment. There's no way around it. That is not a good thing. That is not constructive. That is not conducive to having a, you know, keeping tarantulas in a safe way. That's my thoughts on that. So it sounds like, Charlotte, to get back to your question, I know I kind of opened it wide open there and we covered all aspects of, you know, fear in the hobby. But I do think that coming in, it sounds like you have a respect for them. Now, if I, I'll be honest, if you would said in your email that you're so not scared of them that you you know take your OBT out and hold it in your hand and let it sit on your chest while you watch TV and when you rehouse them you just pick them up and move them then I would have said yes there's a problem I don't think that's responsible keeping I really don't I, I people can argue with me whatever I don't think having that level of interaction with the tarantulas because you're not scared of them is a healthy thing and I do think that if it comes in and the only other spot I can see the lack of fear being an issue is I've seen people get very sloppy with rehousings because they're not scared of the animal they're not really worried about it bolting but recognize that you don't want to set yourself up in situations where stuff goes wrong and suddenly the spider's out in the house or you know it's bolted or it's up your arm or I've had people go, I have no fear, my spider ran up my sleeve and I, yeah, I had to get off. That is not a good situation. That's a dangerous situation. We want to avoid stuff like that at all costs. So if you come in with that kind of attitude, I would have went, yes, that's not a good thing. Maybe you should stick to stuff that's a little less you know venomous. But it sounds like you have a good head on your shoulders as long as you're practicing safe rehousings and not letting your lack of fear you know, lull you into a false sense of security when you're moving them. Cause I know they may seem at times, my OBT seems like a total sweetheart, but if she got jacked up, I know what she could be capable of as far as speed and possible bite. As long as that's not happening. Yeah. I'd say that lack of fear is an excellent thing and probably very constructive as far as you moving quickly into old worlds, probably very, it's going to make it easier for you to work with these spiders. So I think, Charlotte, thank you so much for the question. I think it's an excellent. She actually asked a couple other ones, but they're a little easier ones, the ones I covered before. But that one, I think, really got me thinking because, again, there's like so many different scenarios and it's so tough. Like I've found myself telling people before saying, you know, you can't have fear of them. Fear is not healthy. And then I realized, but some of us come into the hobby with fear. So what do we do with it? How do we deal with it? What about the ones that don't come in? I don't even think of the fact that when people come in without fear, that can be good or bad. So uh, thank you for the question. It was awesome. It got me thinking. I like the ones that make me kind of think more about it. And I realize even with me giving instructions on you know how to rehouse and the fact that I often tell people, you can't be afraid of them. That's going to be, you know, it's going to be negative energy. You're not going to think rationally. And that's kind of a mixed message because people are going to be coming in afraid. They can't help it. They can't, you can't tell somebody not to be afraid of something. So I think it's going to make me in future things, uh, future videos and podcasts when I talk about stuff like, you know, how to rehouse and to recognize that there's going to be fear there for some people. We can't help it, but to keep the fear at a healthy level, to keep the fear at a level that still allows us to cognitively process in a way that we're not going to do things that are going to put ourselves and the spider at risk. It's going to allow us to plan ahead, to recognize that, all right, although I really want this to happen, I really want the spider to go from here to here without any issues, this could happen. That's not the end of the world. What do I do to prep in, in advance? And I think... For folks that enter the hobby and email me or message me that say, hey, I'm getting into the hobby. I can't wait. I have no fear whatsoever. 
And I want to get Old Worlds to kind of deal with that aspect of it too, to, to basically let them know and, and kind of articulate that, okay, you may have no fear. That's great. I envy you. That's a great thing to come in with, but don't let it make you get sloppy. Don't disrespect the animals. And this is what I mean by these are situations, examples of situations where I would feel like you were disrespecting the animal and putting yourself at unnecessary risk. That allowed me to work with that a little bit more. So it was good. It was something I haven't thought about in a while. It was something that I, again, started hammering out my knee-jerk response and then kind of had the pause. And I think it's a good topic to kind of cover for a lot of us, even those who've been here for a while and doing this for a while. Because I think for those of us who have been doing it and have lost that fear, there's always that risk of becoming sloppy and complacent. I have recently was doing a rehousing and I can tell you flat out, I was like, oh, let's just get this done. And I got a little sloppy. And after the fact, nothing bad happened. It, it went fine. But after the fact, I went, I would not have done that five years ago. I got to stop. And the next rehousing, I was extra careful. So it's just, it's kind of a reality check to recognize you know, it's good that we've gotten over those fears, but just because we're not scared of them anymore, doesn't mean we're going to abandon the things that allowed us to develop that solid respect for them and that love of them and to melt away that fear of them. We got to keep those habits because we got there by doing things a certain way. We need to keep going that way. So thank you, Charlotte, for the question. That was awesome. Uh, hopefully the folks out there enjoyed the discussion on this. I think it's a good one to have and feel free. I think, you know, chime in on whether or not you came. And I'd be curious to hear which of you guys out there are, you know, have come into the hobby with a fear of them. Which of them came in with no fear of them? Which you guys came in with no fear whatsoever of tarantulas? And for the ones that came in with no fear, do you feel like, because that was one of her other questions I didn't address, whether or not coming in from another exotics hobby helps you get over your fear? For me, it would be a no. I came from snakes, no fear of snakes. Went to spiders, still scared of spiders. So it didn't work for me. But do you think that working with other things, other exotic animals helped you not have a fear of them? Please chime in. I'd love to hear it. I know, you know, I'm not the most active on Facebook, but I do go back and read all the messages and usually try to thumbs up or something. And I think for folks that listen to the podcast that go on to the Facebook page, it's sometimes cool for them to see what other people are thinking. So feel free to chime in with that one. That will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on tomsbigspiders.com. You can find me on tomsbigspiders on YouTube. Last video I posted up was, what was it? Oh, T. albopelosis, a very popular one in the hobby. A lot of feedback on that. That was, that comments on that one blew up. It was so neat to see how many people keep them and how many love them. And in the video, a couple of the things we talked about is that people have experienced varying growth rates. Some have slow growing ones, some have fast growing ones. Some people have tame ones. Some people have defensive ones. And some people have ones that like it dry. And some people have ones that like it moist. And it was great because everybody was chiming in with what theirs like. And you got to see the full mix of it. Like there literally seems like 50-50 with all three of those traits. So that was really cool. So if you want to check that one out, that would be a good one as well. Maybe I'll cover that one in a future podcast because again, a popular species that people love hearing about. So that will do it for this one. As always, guys, stay safe and we'll catch you all next time.